Bibles, if you have them, and turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians is over in the New Testament. And uh, some of Paul's uh, letters to the churches, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I can never memorize those in Bible drill growing up, so I remembered them as General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It just still, ticks, still sticks to this day. Uh, but Paul writes to the church of Galatia, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. The scripture says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into the hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ timing is everything how appropriate is it this morning that the events of the last 12 hours or the last really 10 hours is one that could probably go into the record books yesterday evening you were walking around in shorts and t-shirts and cutting on your air condition and 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 looking at the buds on your plants that were outside and it seems like a couple of hours later you had to turn the heat on find the blankets turn on the gas logs light put a log in the fireplace or whatever you were doing in fact it changed so much that it just threw a lot of baptists out of sorts so they just stayed home this morning because they <laughs> But timing is everything. What about medicine? When you take medicine, you have a 10-day prescription for an antibiotic. You have to take all 10 days because of the, the, the way it's divided out. If you take less than that, then the, the, the sickness will not go away. Maybe you have a 7-day medicine or a 1-day medicine. Or maybe you have a medicine that, that's calculated. You have to take it every single day uh, in order to, uh, to, to work some kind of... of, of, of thing going on in, in, in your life. What about steaks? When you cook a steak, timing is everything. Now, I want to see kind of where we're at as a church family. How many of you like your steak well done? A couple of you. All right. What about medium well? All right. Good, good. Medium well. That means just a little bit of pink. What about medium? Just, just medium. All right. That seems to be the majority. Um, they say you can get a steak medium rare. One, two. Oh, it's for real. Medium rare for all of you guys. Now, what about rare? Now, rare is when 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 you when you when you put your fork into it, it moves a little bit. But you but you like that. That's, some of you like medium rare. I have a friend. True story. When he goes to a restaurant, he says, "I want a steak." He says, "I want you to put it on the grill for fifteen seconds." He said, I want you to turn it over, put it on there 15 seconds, and bring it to me. And it is rare. And I sat there and watched him that thing. He's still alive today and continues to, uh, <laughs> continues to eat. The, but when you cook a piece of meat, the timing is everything. It depends on how you want it done. If you'd rather go more of a rare side or some of you, you want it more well done. The timing of that is everything. 
Galatians chapter 4 is a very unique passage during the Christmas season, but it talks about how the timing was absolutely perfect for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The time was right when it came to the, 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 um, the nation, the, the area of, 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 of Rome. Alexander the Great had, had, had conquered, and what that had done was created a, a Roman peace all throughout the area. Because of the, the conquest, the roads were good. Everybody spoke Greek. Everybody spoke one language. Uh, Jews had been spread out all through the area. But, but not, that's not the main reason Jesus came. was not just because on earth things were right. The fullness of time came and the timing was everything for the birth of Jesus because God in His sovereignty said now it's time to come and to send the Messiah to be the Savior of all the world. That's why the fullness of time has come. But let me show you a couple of things in this text about timing and how it is everything to life. The first three verses here in chapter 4 says this, Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Number one is this, Timing is everything when it comes to the preparation of faith in Christ. Preparation for faith in Christ. Before we get to verse 4 that talks about the timing of the birth of Jesus and His redemption of our sin, he sets up this passage and really it starts out at the end of chapter 3. You can go all the way back to verse 26 of chapter 3 and you pick up this, this, um, this context, this illustration of adoption, how sons and heirs and, and and children, all of that, how it all goes together. But I want to pick up in verse 1. Once again, I say that the heir, this is the son of a father. As long as he's a child, he doesn't differ from a slave, though he's master of all. Now I want you to catch that for a second. Reading this this week, this is a passage you probably have read before, but sometimes you can read it so quick that you, you, you miss what it's saying. What Paul is saying in chapter 4 is that when a child is a child, even though he is an heir to the father's um, royalty or inheritance or whatever he may have, because he's a child, he's on the same level as a slave. In fact, many homes during this, during this time had slaves. The slaves were the ones that, that, that helped with the children. They may take the children there or, or here, and, and, and they were on that same level as the child as, and as a slave, even though, verse 1 says, he is master of Thing, but because he is a child, it's not rightly his yet. Verse 2 says, but it's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. At a certain time for a Jew, it was around age 12. For a, 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 a Greek and a Roman, it was even older than that. That appointed time by the Father where the Father looks upon that child and says, you are different from a slave. You are now the inheritance, the, the, the one who will, inherit, who, who will inherit all things. Verse 3 says, even so we, Paul says, to the church we we were children we were in bondage under the elements of the world this is where I want you to think just for a second how in the world does this 
do with preparation for our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? I want you to think about this in verse 3, that we as Christians were held under the bondage, the Scripture says, of the elements of the world. Now, what is the phrase, elements of the world? You get a lot of different understandings of what this phrase means, but let's look at what it, what it means, uh, what the original words mean in the New Testament. It means a row or a rank. It means to signify a foundation or rudimentary orderliness. It was used as letters of the alphabet, the elemental building blocks of writing. What are some of the first things you teach young children? It may be blocks, putting one block on top of the other. It may be the ABCs, uh, whether it's, it's, it's learning them all the way through or watching a video or, or putting a puzzle together. Those are some of the elements of the world. In the same way, in our um, uh, lifestyle, when it comes to religion, I use the term loosely, we're in this world, the elemental things of all human religion, whether it's Jew or Gentile, ancient or even modern today, inevitably involve the idea of achieving divine acceptance by one's own effort. If you were to witness to somebody who is not a believer and you ask them about eternity and in heaven they will give you a element philosophy let me let me explain that say brother john how how does that work you you go to somebody you say do you know jesus christ as your lord and savior when you died today would you spend eternity in heaven if somebody does know the gospel how are they going to respond i sure hope so You know, I'm not the best in the world, but I'm really doing good, and I'm really trying my best. What they're doing is giving you the element answer, the elementary answer. I'm trying to do what I can do in order to please God, the divine, the the almighty God. I am doing all that I can do. It's like learning our ABCs in high school. Now, we've got high school students here. What if your teachers came in tomorrow or, or when you got back from break and said, all right, guys, and they write all the ABCs on there and says, tomorrow we're going to have a pop quiz on all 26 letters of the, of the alphabet. Now, some of you guys be like, yeah, that's my kind of, my kind of pop quiz, but, but that's not, that, you, you would think that was crazy. You say, we learned that in childhood. In the same way in our relationship with Christ that the ABCs of life is not the end of learning but it's the beginning. In the same way our faith in Jesus is not the end but the beginning of our life. That's why Paul says one time we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Those elements prepared us For our faith in Jesus Christ. We have to think about those things in life. Those those opportunities where the world teaches us that we are sinners. And that we need a Savior to save us from all the world. Over 4,000 years the world waited for the Messiah. And verse 4 says, when the fullness of time it came. Several years ago, Timex, which is the watch company, asked people how long they would wait before taking action in a wide variety of situations. Researchers discovered that we will consent to wait only 13 seconds before we honk at a car in front of us that stopped at a green light. 26 seconds before we shush people who are talking in a movie theater. 26 seconds before we take the seat of someone who's walked away. 45 seconds before we ask someone who's talking too loud on a cell phone to keep it down. 
13 minutes for a table at a restaurant and 20 minutes for the last person to show up for Thanksgiving dinner before we dig in. We're not very patient people. But the scripture says here, when the fullness of time came, when 4,000 years of history from the birth of, I mean, excuse me, from the creation of Adam and Eve until the fullness of time came, the birth of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, born of Mary, born in Bethlehem, born in a stable, born to be the Savior of all the world. So our life gives us a preparation for our faith in Christ. You're here today, and if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what you're hearing today, what you see out in the world, what you watch on the television, what you hear from your friends, from your parents, from your sons, your daughters, your aunts and uncles, all of that is to prepare you for your faith in Christ. But there's a second thing that goes after that. Not only preparation for your faith in Christ, but preparation for Freedom in Christ. Verse 4 says, When the fullness of time came. That phrase right there refers to the completion of the period of preparation for God's redemption. When the law, the Old Testament law, fully fulfilled its purpose of pointing people to a Savior as the law book, as the schoolmaster, as the mirror that we look in, look into the law and we see a reflection of someone who cannot keep the law, a sinner. When that time was complete, the Bible says God sent forth His Son. When He sent forth His Son, He provided righteousness for man that man could not provide for himself. The Bible says, when the fullness of time had come. Look at this next part. God sent forth His Son. That speaks of the divinity of God. We talked about that last week in Matthew chapter 1. How that Jesus is God. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glo- His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God sent His Son, not just from Galilee to Jerusalem, nor from the manger to the cross, but all the way from heaven to earth. The full implications of this text can hardly be grasped in human language. In sending Jesus, God didn't send a substitute. God sent Himself. The Scripture says God sent forth His Son, that second person of the Trinity, which is fully God. He sent forth His Son. John 16, 28, I came forth, Jesus says, from the Father. And I have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and I go to the Father. God, in His omniscience, in His all-knowledge, in His omnipresence, where He is everywhere at one time. In fact, one atheist professor stood before his class. He said, I'll give you $100 if you can explain to me where God is. And one of the students stood up in the back and said, Professor, with all due respect, I'll give you $100 if you can explain where God is not. Say, God is everywhere. And then God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. And the Scripture says, the second part, born of a woman, it speaks not only of His divinity, but it speaks of His humanity. You, as a believer, have to understand that Jesus Christ is fully God, but He's also fully man. He had to be fully God to be the power 
of someone of a savior of all the world. He had to be fully man to be able to be the sacrifice for all sins. He had to be fully God in order for his sacrifice to have the infinite worth necessary to atone for the sin of mankind. He had to be fully man in order to represent mankind and to take the penalty of sin upon himself in man's behalf. He was born, uh, God sent forth his son, his divinity. He was born of a woman which speaks of his humanity. The scripture also says he was born under the law. Jesus was born under the law system. He had an obligation to obey and to be judged by conformity to God's written law. And he followed it perfectly. Jesus was a man, but he was also a Jewish man. The scripture says he was circumcised on the eighth day as all Jewish males were. He grew up in a Jewish home reading the Torah, which is the, uh, the first five books of the Bible, praying to his heavenly father, attending synagogue, faithfully fulfilling as no one before or after him has ever done all the precepts and demands of the law. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted and yet without sin the scripture says God sent forth his son his divinity born of a woman his humanity born under the law which means he followed the same law that he one day was to redeem us from Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of all as a parent, you, and some of you are, are dealing with this this year, or you have in years past, the most popular gift in, of, of the year. And you go all the way back, I remember some of these uh, to the point, uh, but, but going back, some of the most, most must-have Christmas gifts of the past few decades. 1983 was a Cabbage Patch doll. I remember those. That was the one thing I never wanted in life was a Cabbage Patch doll as a five-year-old. In 1985 was a pound puppy. 1989 was the Game Boy, followed in 1995 by, by the Beanie Baby craze. 1996, I remember this. I didn't want one. I just remembered a lot of people wanted one, but they never got one. 1996 was the Tickle Me Elmo frenzy. 2002 was the iPod, 2006 was the Wii, 2010 was the Kindle, 2011 was the Angry Birds board game, 2013 was the Doc McStuffins doll, and then 2015 was the Frozen Sing-Along Elsa doll. We don't know what's going to be this year, but I do know that the greatest gift of this year, just like it has been for the last 2,000 years, is Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under the law, born to redeem all of man. Kind. So when you think about this text, when you think about this passage, we are preparing ourselves for faith in Christ with the elementary things of the world in order to free us, the freedom we have in Christ. The scripture says in verse 5 that God did all of that. The fullness of time had come. God sent His Son, born of a woman, born of the law, to, in other words, here's the purpose, to redeem those who were under the law. Now, who was under the law? Everybody. The word redeem means to buy back. It means to buy out. It was used of slaves whose freedom was, per was purchased. The, the, the audience in the book of Galatians knew all about the word redeem. 
They had slaves. They were in the process of buying back and buying out. Romans 8, 3 and 4 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak to the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. We use Romans 6.23 in the Roman road. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. 1 Peter 1.18 Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Peter says it like this, You are not saved by the elementary things of the world. He says instead, But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Preparation for faith in Christ. Preparation for freedom in Christ. And the number three is preparation for family in Christ. Aren't you glad that you are a part of the family of God? That's a praise course we've sung for 20 years. I don't know whether when that was written. Maybe 20 years ago, 25 years, 30 years ago. He keeps going back. 35, 40 years ago. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family. But it still never gets old singing about not that we just have eternal life. But that we are a part of of the family of God. And I want you to see this in verse number 5. Remember it starts off really back up in verse 1. But it, it climaxes at verse 4. God sent forth His Son at the perfect time. Born of one, born of the law. To redeem those. So that we might receive the adoption as sons. The word adoption comes from two words. Meaning son and placing. It refers to man's giving the status of sonship to someone who is not his natural child. We are God's creation. We're not born God's children. But when the creation of God, when you and I come to a point in our life and, and we trust in Him by faith and we are redeemed, He places us into the family of God and we become a child of God. We become the Son of God. We become children of God. We become joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We are a part of the family of God. We are adopted into His family. We are not naturally children of God but become His sons through divine adoption. Because you are sons, the Scripture says, God sent forth, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. I want you to miss this. When you come to faith in Christ and you become a part of the family of God, God gives you His Spirit. And in that Spirit, there's the connection because the Holy Spirit is God, just like Jesus is God, just like God the Father is God. And He places His presence into your life. That's what the Scripture says, the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, the center of who you are, crying out, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is an Aramaic word. And it, it's a unique word when it comes to the Word of God. It is a... a, um, a uh, kind of a, a, a lesser word of the word father. In fact, it can be translated daddy or papa. A lot of your grandparents today, 
and you come to your when it comes to your 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 children and, and, and those children are born now some of you may be referred to as grandfather but for a lot of you it's something different I don't want to be called grandfather you say I want to be called papa or I want to be called pops or I want to be called whatever, whatever that name is. And what you're saying to the child is, is that you have, you have kind of broken down those walls and you want to get into their world and they can respond to you even though you are grandfather. They respond to you in a less formal word, that, 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 that intimacy that is there in the same way as a father. Even though I am a father, I don't want to be called father. I want to be called dad. Because I want as a son, the son to be able to look up in an intimate way, although I pray there is respect and I pray there is, there is, there is purpose of what a father is. I am dad. I am daddy. In the same way with God, no disrespect at all. He is our father. He is our savior. But when we come to him, we don't have to cry out, daddy. But we cry out in a way, Lord, you want a relationship with us. We are a family of God. You can talk to your Father. You can talk to Him right now. You can talk to Him when you go home. There's no wall. Even though He's creator of the world and hung the stars and, and, and sent the weather yesterday, only God can do that. In the same way, the Bible says He has sent His Son, the Spirit of His Son, into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit brings us into a personal and an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, whom we may approach at any time, under any circumstance, knowing that He always hears us and lovingly cares for us because we are truly His own. Preparation. For the family of Christ. Timing is everything. When it comes to weather. When it comes to medicine. When it comes to how you want your steak cooked. But more importantly than that. Timing is everything. Except for eternity. Because you see in eternity there is no time. Time has gone by the wayside when eternity starts. And timing is everything except in eternity. What if things changed one or two degrees last night or early this morning? And as like my friend's church in northeast Mississippi who had a complete sheet of ice on their parking lot and they had to cancel church this morning. That wasn't his desire. It's never our desire. But what if that happened here? And when you, you would not have heard the message through song. If you were in Sunday school, you would not have heard that. And you would not have heard the gospel that's being presented today. See, timing is everything. That God allowed you through His grace and mercy to come to a place like this in a warm, beautiful building to hear the message of Jesus to prepare you for faith in Christ, to redeem you of your sins, and to give you an opportunity to become part of the family of Christ. What if today is the last opportunity that you have an opportunity to respond to Jesus? Timing is everything. If that were true today, 
where would you spend eternity? In God's perfect time, He sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem you so that you can be a part of the family of God. Are you part of that family? A lot of you shaking your head, yeah. I remember that what? Time. That became part of the family of God. But for some, guess what? The time, it's today. It's today. Never, ever, ever, ever do you postpone the gospel. Because we don't know if we'll ever have another chance. So if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. The time today is today. Jonah says it like this. The time of salvation is today. Today is the day of salvation. Timing is everything. It's today for you to give your life to Jesus and to trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your head. Say, Brother John, you're speaking to me. You know, you know who I am. You're speaking to me today. And I may know who you are. And I'm, for most of you, I don't. I don't know if God's speaking to you or not when it comes to salvation. But I do know this, that Jesus Christ will save you today if you open up your heart. Right where you're at, can you, the, this time, right here at this moment, just open up your heart to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth. To be born in this world. And to redeem me from my sins. Today, Lord, I confess my sins to you. And I trust you as my Lord and Savior. Today, I want to be a part of the family of Christ. God, save me today. And that may be your prayer this morning. And I encourage you, if it is, in just a moment, that you'd come. And I'll be down here in the front. We have an invitation. We'll always do this until Jesus comes back. It's an opportunity for people to publicly respond to what Christ is saying to them. For some of you, it's because you need to give your life to Christ. And for others, there may be other decisions you need to make. Maybe it's the time where you need to come and, and make your decision public and to take that next step, which is a believer's baptism. Maybe you're not a guest, but you know this is where God wants you to be and to be able to serve and to worship as a family you need a place to call home. Maybe it's First Baptist. Maybe this is where God's called you to come. And if He is, I ask that you'll be obedient to that. Lord, we love you today. Thank you, God, that in our life, we're prepared to faith in Christ. Our sin prepares us to something that is greater, and that's our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us, for that freedom we have in Christ. God, thank you, Lord, that we today are part of the family, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that those that are here who need to trust you as their Savior, God, would they come? Would they come? In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing together for a few minutes.